guys. I have tried to record this intro a lot of times. <laughs> and every single time, I feel like I am hearing a noise right around when I start. Like I hear it right now, it feels like this buzzing noise. And this is concerning for a few reasons. Number one, I don't know if you guys can hear it, which would very clearly not be helpful because I don't want you to be hearing a buzzing noise throughout the podcast. Number two, I'm wondering if it's just in my mind, which I don't know. That's probably even more concerning than the first option. Number three, I'm just curious what the heck this noise is, if it's really out there and why does it keep buzzing? I would go to inspect, but I really want to just get the ball rolling on recording today's episode. I'm really excited for it. It's going to be a fun one. I'm going to make it short, sweet, and sassy, or at least that's always my goal. It is my goal. Does it always happen? No. But we're going to try. And if you're new to this podcast, I should probably do a little intro. Welcome. This is the place where I answer your nutrition, wellness, and body image questions in a non-diet way so that you can figure out how the heck you want to implement these things into your life. And I'm Mallory Page, your host and also a registered dietitian. Today's topic is one that isn't maybe our quote-unquote typical because a lot of the times I'll take one specific topic like Ozempic or Beachbody or All In Recovery and I'll dissect that and give my expert opinion on it and opinions of other experts and research and all that stuff. But I just felt like with the new year, it was too fun to pass up doing a 2023 trends in wellness, body image, nutrition, etc. And these, of course, are trend predictions. Some of these, I feel like we're on the precipice of them already. So I guess you could say it's somewhat of cheating because I'm kind of taking things I've already seen and predicting how they're going to play out. But others are really more of just kind of random ideas that I have. And I just think that it'd be fun to go through these together. If you have trend predictions that you think are going to happen in 2023, please shoot me a DM or even better, share this episode on your story and put in some of your trend predictions or the favorite ones that you had out of the ones that I mentioned, because I'm always so curious to hear what you guys think. I wish this podcast was more of like a discussion so that we could all chat and hear what everyone else thinks. That's how I was feeling yesterday because I finished my book. I just read The Housemaid. It is so good. If you like a psychological thriller, was such an interesting book. I wasn't necessarily surprised by what happened, but at the same time, the way that it played out was incredibly interesting and thought-provoking. So anyways, I finished that book and I turned to my partner, Brian. I was like, oh my gosh, I wish you had read this because I want to discuss it with you. Like I'm dying to know what other people think. I need to get into a book club. But that's also sometimes how I feel doing these episodes. <laughs> I just wish you guys were sitting on the other side so that I could put something out there and then you could tell me your thoughts. Well, I'm just going to run through these. I'm going to go and explain the trend prediction and then why I think that's going to happen and also how I feel like that could affect us. But I want you guys to keep in mind as I go through this, I am not someone that would ever suggest to just follow a trend blindly. Now, I don't think that all trends are harmful, although I do think some of these teeter on the harmful side. But really what I want you to be able to do no matter what is really understand what out of a trend you like and maybe want to follow 
and what out of a trend you don't want to follow. All right, let's get into it. Starting off with number one, the comeback of dairy and red meat. So I've already seen some little snippets on social media about this that have made me have this inclination. The people that I've seen trending towards this are what I like to call the health warriors, also known as the very extreme holistic health followers. Now, as many of you guys probably know, years ago, I should have looked up the actual year, but butter became the worst thing you could eat. And so everybody was switching to margarine, the I can't believe it's not butter and stuff like that, because they thought it was healthier than butter. Do keep in mind as well that margarine is made from seed oils instead of, obviously, butter is made from milk. Okay, so we had that kind of start the whole craze, but then we saw people going from dairy milk to soy milk. Then we saw people going from soy milk to almond milk, almond milk to oat slash hemp slash whatever else. And now I've also seen people going back from oat milk to regular milk. Specifically, the very extreme holistic health people go to the full fat pasteurized raw milk. So that is a little more to the extreme, not full circle, but it's still the same idea. And as I'm sure many of you guys have seen, there has been quite the uproar around seed oils. So to go along with that, people have been speaking to the fact that butter is actually now a positive thing that you should have again, and they're speaking against anything that's some type of replacement. Same thing with oat milk and almond milk. They always speak to the seed oils in them and how they're not natural and the sugar, and that's why you should go back to dairy. To go along with this, red meat, they're kind of looking at in a similar way. They're basically just pushing the consumption of this stuff because of the health benefits that they say are in traditional meat. To me, it's hilarious because this is why I literally say to just not follow the trend and have what you like. There really are just different things that work for all people. There really was never a need to entirely demonize the dairy and red meat industry ever. Of course, there are always downfalls to it, and I'm not speaking from the ethical or animal perspective. I'm just speaking to more of the nutrition perspective. So to see now this coming full circle again, it just reminds me so much of how we constantly see these cycles within nutrition. Another interesting point to go along with this is that a lot of food trends trend alongside our overall world or especially U.S. trends and we are entering into a phase that's more similar to a recession and cow's milk is much cheaper than these other milk alternatives. So despite this like booming market of alternative milks and even alternative meats, still, those are much lower than actual meat consumption. So it's just a very clear diet culture-based cycle that we can see. There's no one-size-fits-all, but we try to make it a one-size-fits-all, and then people shift their consumption based off the trends, which are driven by a lot of things. So that's one that I have a very strong prediction on. 
Now, another thing that is kind of along the lines of recession-based shifts and their effect on the way that we operate and the way that things trend is natural beauty. So this is a little bit complex, and that's why I wanted to try to dissect this and remind you guys that I'm not saying that I know this is going to happen. It's just something I've observed. So if you've seen online, there's a lot of conversation basically going on right now about getting filler dissolved or making it look more natural, reversing BBLs, embracing your natural hair color. So a lot of women going from blonde or from getting highlights back to their actual color called bronze or something like that. A shift from a lot of different makeups and different things to very subtle beauty looks such as laminating your brows or bushy brows and the facial gua sha and slugging and it's very different than what it was a few years ago but even from last year when we had somewhat of that obsession around the clean beauty that we were seeing everywhere and when we see periods of economic downturn in the U.S., These things aren't just a coincidence. There is that natural beauty that then coincides with spending less that therefore is very aligned with the market. And we've even seen this as well in clothes, which I'll talk about a little bit later. But remember, with this type of stuff, it's still pushing the rhetoric that there is a right or wrong way to do it, which is super agitating. Like, if you don't want to follow the natural beauty, quote-unquote, trends, you don't need to follow them, and people shouldn't be ridiculed for not following them. What I think is interesting, though, is to go along with this kind of natural beauty and more relaxed, casual trend, we also see the skinny slash heroin chic trend simultaneously trending. I have done an entire podcast episode on this, so I will link it down below. And I'm not going to go into the whole conversation because it's actually quite complex. But this is almost the complete opposite of the natural trend in a way, because I actually do think that in that natural trend, we see more of the I'm sorry, body acceptance and some body positivity and people kind of allowing their body to just be more the way that it's meant to be. And then the skinny heroin chic is completely obsessed with being smaller and having this very stick thin type of look that we have seen a lot of celebrities emulating. And so this is very similar to often what we've seen in all of time with diet culture and trends is that especially when it comes to body image, there are almost two simultaneous things that are trending at once that clearly combat each other. And it makes it very challenging to know what is quote unquote okay, right? Because for example, in the era before this one, we saw a lot of like the slim thick and you know, more weightlifting based and all of that, which was awesome, but still people were feeling the pressure to get lip fillers, to get boob jobs, to 
have a BBL, to exercise all the time, to look toned. And along with that, the body positivity movement was really taking like stride and it did coincide slightly with that whole slim thick type of trend, but at the same time, they were still contradicting. And that's what I think this natural versus skinny slash heroin chic is going to be in this current year. And who knows how long that will go. Something that I mentioned slightly along with this is that I think fashion is going to emulate this as well. So I'm sure you guys have seen Y2K, skinny jean, low-rise jean, crop tops, all of that stuff coming back in style. But at the same time, I've seen this real push for capsule, timeless wardrobes. A lot of the types of styles that we saw in the 90s as well. So they both kind of exist in the 90s slash 2000 era, but the capsule timeless wardrobe is all about decluttering, picking timeless pieces, finding what works for your body, more of a tailored look rather than tightness, getting rid of things that don't make you feel good, having minimal instead of having maximalist clothing options, and just more of a natural muted look overall. And then you have the opposition of this with Y2K and how they're maximalist prints, lots of color, lots of variation, very quick trend turnover, very hard to pair multiple pieces together to make it look, you know, good, really. (laughs) I mean, I'm not an expert in pairing things together. But when you look at those two things, you can also see how they're coinciding with all of these trends around body image that we're seeing. So it's just very cool. I shouldn't say cool. I think it's fascinating to see the way that these trends lay themselves out and how they have a common thread in so many different areas. But I also find it to be so problematic that it leads us to feel like almost as if we have to classify ourselves in one way or the other and that we are so often just conflicted by following what feels right to us and following a trend. Also, there is such a big push right now to be defined by an aesthetic, especially in the younger generation, the Gen Z kind of uh, time or age, I should say. And I find it extremely fascinating. I would love to hear if you guys would want a podcast on this because I am interested in talking about it, but of course, it's a little bit outside of the realm of specifically what we talk about in this podcast, and yet I think that they coincide. It's the things like Vanilla Girl, That Girl, uh, Preppy Girl, Popular Girl. It's so interesting. So that is kind of an aside from this, but there has been such a push of that type of classification within this new year. Another trend that I think we are going to see is Ayurvedic medicine really making a kind of a popularity push or it's Ayurvedic medicine is going to become more popular. So Ayurveda is based in Sanskrit and loosely translates to knowledge of life. I want to just say, first of all, that Ayurvedic medicine comes from specific cultures. And I think part of the issue that we see 
is that white people specifically will take these type of cultural practices and beliefs and then really appropriate them for their own benefit and misconstrue the ways that it's really meant to be used. So I don't say this in criticism of Ayurveda or Ayurvedic medicine. I just want to discuss why I think it will have popularity and also some of the way that I would look at it. It is technically a system of medicine based on the belief that disease is caused by an imbalance of stress in a person's conscious. It is also heavily diet-focused, so it's mostly fixing imbalances with foods, herbs, spices. There are definitely supplements that you can take that go along with the Ayurvedic principles and have the herbs and the spices, so it's not always that it has to be fixed with food, but it definitely a lot of the times can be. There is also a lot of cleansed base and purification processes that go on involving the diet, but also massage therapy, yoga, meditation, and this cultural system of beliefs is typically done in India. So it's not just another diet. They're not using those terms in a way that is associated with diet culture typically, So it's just important to remember that as you listen and to be respectful. But I think what can often happen is when people hear about this stuff, they then misconstrue the true reason as to why they should be doing it or they misconstrue what it really means, especially if they're not guided by someone that really understands it and understands the culture. And I found it can be for some people somewhat of a slippery slope into somewhat of disordered habits or even just to being a little bit obsessive around food because they're having to go to a lot of effort to pull in these traditional cultural practices into their day-to-day life where it doesn't quite fit as well. I think that we can all use really amazing uh, or we can all take lessons from Ayurveda and also be aware of our stress and our imbalances and making sure that we have calm and we implement herbs and all of that different stuff. But I don't think that this needs to be yet another thing that becomes basically (laughs) just, it basically becomes a part of capitalism and is something that's sold in a way that it's not meant to be and then criticized in a way that it's not meant to be. So I do think we're going to see an uptick in this popularity or popularity of this because I feel like we're due for a kind of new holistic health obsession or focus. I hope that what I expect to happen will not happen and it's just a respect for this practice and where it came from culturally. But from what I've seen in the past, I unfortunately doubt that that will be the case. I don't know what number we're on. I forgot to say numbers because they started to mix together. But something that we've already seen start to happen in 2023 that I predict is going to grow in popularity is the sober curious lifestyle. So I want to make a big disclaimer that the sober curious lifestyle 
is not saying that you have to be sober and it doesn't even have to mean that you're curious about being sober. It can really mean that you're just questioning your relationship with alcohol, why you drink it, how it makes you feel. And a lot of the time it involves like drinking on certain occasions and it can even be called like the damp lifestyle or whatever else resonates with the people that are are discussing it. I actually find that this type of sober curious lifestyle is important to differentiate from being sober. And the reason why I say that is because sober curious, I find most often is more associated with people that maybe don't struggle as much with their relationship with alcohol. Now, I'm not saying that's always true, but just hear me out and why I say that. Most of the time, people that are sharing about sober curious, they maybe have like mocktails or fun non-alcoholic beverages and make those in their home or go out to eat and have those different things. And it's really just an exploration of feeling like their best self, even if their relationship with alcohol wasn't unhealthy. I think that someone that struggles with their relationship with alcohol or even identifies as an alcoholic, they could potentially begin this way. But as someone that has dealt with people in my life that have had true alcohol addiction, like alcoholism, I feel like sometimes this just doesn't quite hit the mark for people that are truly experiencing that addiction. And I even asked someone that I know that has been recovered from alcoholism for 11 years, or he is an active recovery. And I asked him about if he would ever be interested in those like mocktails or non-alcoholic swaps for drinks. And he basically said not only could it be a trigger for him, but he also had no interest in the act of having a drink because of the fact that to him when he was drinking in the past, it was never about the taste. It wasn't like he just liked the alcohol or that he liked the drink. It was that he wanted the feeling. And I have talked to many alcoholics that feel similarly. Not only do they feel like having something like a faux spirit in their house in that type of bottle could be a gateway, but they also just feel like there's no desire to even participate in similar types of things. So the reason why I just think it's good to to mention that is because we want to be respectful of people no matter where they're coming at this trend from, but also be wary that sober curious could be very different for someone that is dealing with being an active alcohol recovery. Now, back to the actual sober curious lifestyle conversation, I think that it's really cool that people are starting to question what makes them feel good. It kind of reminds me of how I like to drink intuitively. This reminds me of intuitive eating and just basically getting more in tune with your body. And reducing alcohol can help improve a ton of things. It can improve sleep, mood, decision-making, digestive and immune system, your productivity. I mean, so much. But also just keep in mind that if you're someone that feels like maybe you're just getting out of restricting a lot of things or you struggle with the all-in, all-out mindset or you struggle with having things off limits, it's also okay if you don't want to categorize yourself this way. Sometimes I think putting yourself into a box of saying, oh, I'm sober curious, can create this level of pressure. For some people, it's helpful and for some people, it's not. And just know that if you feel like making something feel more, quote-unquote, forbidden is stressful to you, 
then that may not be the right fit for you. So I'm not in any way criticizing the sober lifestyle or sober curious lifestyle movement, but it is important to just know that everything needs to be individualized and specific to you. I also did an episode on dry January if you want to listen to that. I know we're at the end of dry January, but it could be helpful in kind of understanding some of the similar things. Another thing that I think we're going to see, another trend, is doubling down on the gut-brain connection, but in a different way than what we've seen. So the gut-brain connection is a real thing. The reason why they called the gut the second brain is not just because it sounds catchy. It's because truly the microbiome in your gut influences so many things, and it is truly important And they have shown a correlation between depression, anxiety, GI conditions, mental health. I mean, I already said depression, anxiety, but all of these different things from how your gut bacteria health is. A lot of people became familiar with this from the book, The Mind-Gut Connection by Emerin Mayer, who is an MD. And that was actually published all the way back in 2016, which can show you how long sometimes it can take for a trend to truly catch on, even after we have publicized like research and books around it. But the thing is, this is still a very new field in science. And even the trend of people becoming so aware of gut health is relatively new too. It I only saw it on TikTok, maybe starting like the middle of last year, like really taking stride. And I feel like the good pieces of this are going to be that people have more of an understanding of how important their gut health is. I would hope that it helps people to understand that diversifying your foods are important, that not restricting is important, that taking care of your mental health and your stress so that you have a healthy microbiome is important. But oftentimes what I see is that people become obsessed with it And then it becomes almost this excuse, even if it's unintentional, to eat for their mental health. And it's actually diet culture in disguise. So it talks about, oh, you need to eat these, these, these foods for, well, three theses. (laughs) These foods for your mental health and for having the healthiest brain. But then next thing you know, people are afraid of these quote unquote bad brain foods like seed oils and sugar. And both of those are not proven by science, by the way. They do not have the backing to actually say that those affect your brain and your gut connection. So I feel like we'll see more of this, but we're going to have to be very wary of differentiating between the positive information and education out there and the negative diet culture-based information that is actually just trying to get you to restrict and not really take the steps that are going to be helpful for you. Also, just as a note, if you ever feel like you're dealing with depression, anxiety, low mood, serious health problems, GI problems, It's important to visit a doctor, visit a professional that really knows what they're talking about. Please do not just trust someone on TikTok, especially not all these people that self-proclaim they're a gut health specialist. That is not a real term. Like, they literally made that up, and they could have done no program or some program, but it's just not worth it. To go along with things that are slightly trending already... The more rest, less intensity with exercise, and even just in life, 
is going to be a trend this year. I can feel it. We've seen this come up in a way that has been related to a different trend. So we've seen Pilates come up very often lately, but it's been more in relation to the whole heroin chic skinny is trending again. But I actually think that that's going to coincide as well with the overall push towards less and lower intensity movement, less movement and lower intensity movement. And even things like exercising in sync with your menstrual cycle, stuff like exercise snacking, or there's another term for it that I can't remember. Basically, doing little movement throughout the day instead of doing it all at once. Now, I feel like the positive with this is that we're finally starting to move away from hustle culture and being so obsessed with it, at least in some areas, and really embracing the fact that rest is productive, whether it be with movement or it be with just work. Now, the negative with this is I think it reinforces this whole idea that people that fall under that kind of skinny, heroin chic look are just effortlessly small and effortlessly look that way because all they have to do is go to Pilates and all they have to do is do a little bit of exercise snacking throughout the day and oh yes they just sync with their menstrual cycle and that can feel super frustrating because what I see a lot of the time on social media then is there's these very small bodied women that come online and share their workout routines acting like they're an expert in the space but in reality they are literally just skinny like that is it And we didn't see as much of that when we had the more like weightlifting trend that really put more emphasis on people that had the educational background because you can't really get that look of going to the gym without knowing what you're doing in the gym. At least for most people, that's not universally true. So there's positives and negatives, I think, that are going to come out of this. I love that we're resting more and doing less intensity. I don't love that then it becomes this whole thing where it almost reinforces the idea that skinny is best and also that the way that you should get there is effortless. And yeah, just not a huge fan of that. All right, we've got a few more. Natural beauty. So I know I discussed the whole natural kind of body look and beauty is in what we put on our face and all that type of stuff. But I also feel like we're really seeing this in terms of the health trends that are coming up. A lot of them are the whole go back to the earth idea. So the whole red meat and dairy conversation is in connection with this as well. But things that I've seen trending, mushrooms, in the sense of the shroom boom of like the psilocybin, all of that type of stuff, and those benefits, which again ties back to the alcohol thing. See how these are all connected? Like it's literally like one big web. And even just adaptogens too though, like ashwagandha and I'm sure there's reishi, all that kind of stuff. Matcha is another one instead of coffee. I mean, coffee still to me is natural, but I think that we think of it as much more of a commercialized product now. And there are more ways to buy coffee 
that is quote-unquote less natural than there are with matcha. So matcha and how it can help with starting the day without a spike of caffeine. I like both matcha and coffee, but I just more am pointing out this whole rhetoric around eating, having, enjoying these more quote-unquote natural products. And to give you a more simple way to think about this, this would be in contrast to even just last year, a few years back, the whole alternative meat industry really booming. Or, um, oh gosh, what was the other thing I was thinking of? Even like coffee replacements booming. Or anything along those lines. There was a few years ago where it was a lot of basically taking a product and making a replacement, even if it had more ingredients. And now it's kind of shifting back towards that quote-unquote natural So the thing about this is it really is always going to be something new when it comes to trends. They're always going to try to convince you of a certain reason why you should be following this food and eating this thing, but you really just have to listen to what works for you. That's the simplest way to put it. So don't feel like as you see these superfoods that are trending or See, everyone's saying that you need to drink matcha instead of coffee, that you feel like you should fall into that because every single one of us is unique. And this really brings me into my kind of closing thoughts on these 2023 trends. First of all, I feel like I could have made this episode two hours long and gone through so many different theories that I have. I hope that at the least you feel like you had some different thought-provoking moments while you were listening to this. And at the most, I hope that it helped to make you feel prepared going into the new year that there are truly new trends that are going to come about every single year, which is evidenced by these past trends that I was explaining in contrast to the new ones. And most of the time, these things cycle. It's why we see us go from 70s fashion to 80s fashion to 90s fashion to 1000s fashion and then (laughs) back again, you know? We see this type of cycle so often and it really drives consumerism. It drives the obsession with always staying in a certain type of body. It makes sure that capitalism is thriving because we're always having to purchase new things. It it supports so many deep-rooted systems that we have, especially in the U.S., But really, the way to find your healthiest, best, most aligned self is by saying F you to literally all of the trends and just tuning into what feels good for you. Now, I'm not saying that you can't be inspired by something. For example, I love the idea of us being inspired by more rest in 2023 instead of constantly in this grind. But that doesn't mean that you also then have to throw out everything you've done in the past or only do low-intensity incremental exercise just because of that. You know, find what it is that makes sense for your body and your mind and your mental health and your schedule and trust yourself. That's what nutrition is all about. There is no science out there that we can use to say, this is what works for everybody. Yes, we can look at research studies. I can present you with all the sides. I can explain what we see as trends, but we're all so different. We really are. And so you just have to be able to 
start to strip away those disordered or those habits that don't make you feel good and build up those ones that do, whether they're trending or not. I can't really give this episode a rating because each and every one of these has its own rating in itself, I would say. So there's no diet culture ranking for today. But if you have any questions or thoughts on this podcast, please let me know. I would love if you wrote a review, if you shared it with someone. It means the absolute world for me, to me. And if you would like to see anything on this podcast this year, please shoot me a message, shoot me a DM. I'm always open to your guys' ideas and love putting out content that you guys want to see. All right. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'll see you guys next week.